Bureaucracy's basement to your ears, this is the weekly meeting of the Queen City Improvement Bureau in compliance with Memo EX 1063. On tonight's meeting, objects, audio objects, and more. This meeting is now in session. Hey. Objects. Objects? Audio objects. Yes, what about them? Uh, oh, sorry, it's my, uh, I'm starting a Kraftwerk cover band. Are you? Yeah, I'm just gonna get, I'm just getting worked up. Oh, exciting. Or worked down, I'm not sure which. Yeah. I, I didn't know you were into, um, uh, kraut electronic music. Well, I... Early, not, early synth stuff. I'm not really, I mean, I kind of more lean towards... Hard. Um, not so much Kraftwerk as um, like Van Halen. Oh, but I hear mm-hmm. I could see that your luscious locks. Yep, yep. And uh, and, and my spandex pants. Mm-hmm. I was yeah. going to say your fashion sense. My fashion sense. Very Sammy Hagar. Very, very Hagar. Um, uh, also, I my Hagar clothing uh, and my Hagar rugby pants. Mm. Uh, totally different. My spandex pants. And your Cabo Wabo uh, tequila. <laughs> That's right. And my chip and pepper wardrobe made out of the actual skins of chip and pepper. <laughs> Anywho, yeah. and so yeah, so yeah, craftwork is not really my jam, but I hear the ladies like it. Ladies love kraut, uh, kraut synth rock. They do. Stuff. So and I Music. and as you know, I like the ladies. So mm-hmm. I'm hoping that the stars will align. All right. Yes. Good luck with that. Thank you. I yeah. am the operator of my pocket calculator. Yes, you are. <laughs> Air guitar. All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, we need to have uh, attendance, please. Yes. We have a meeting to absolutely. have. Absolutely. Our first attendee uh, is one Peace Hundle. Peace Hundle? Peace Hundle. Will you come on down? That's Peace? Reference. Peace Hundle? Peace Hundle. Yeah. He was a rodeo star, wasn't he? Yes, he was. Yeah, he yeah. was like really. He was known for his calf roping abilities. I at uh, one time I believe he roped five calves at once. Yep. Yeah, lost yeah. a leg, but I mean, yeah. it was never done since. So yeah, with his belt. With his belt, yes. Yeah. He actually, funny thing, he actually lost his leg. It had more to do with like his pants fell down when he took the belt off to get that last calf. Right. It tripped and. Um, and like just fell off. <laughs> got tangled up. In his, yeah. well, his jeans were way too tight. Like there was necrosis was already setting in before yeah. he even yeah, exactly. uh, started roping calves. And and there was a, and there was the rickets. That, the rickets. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He's, uh, we all have our cross. Wait, he, all he would eat is veal. <laughs> yes. The calves. He would eat the calves, right? Yeah. They had it out for him. I bet they were yeah. glad when he lost that leg. Yep. Uh, so that's peace hundle for you. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I can't wait to meet him. Yeah, I have, I have some PETA friends who'd like to meet him as well. I, you know, I don't think it's going to happen. Oh, I, no. I've made a mistake here. Uh, so I've mixed up the letters. Should be Paul Deschen. That's me, and oh. I'm present. All right, all right, all right. Yeah. So you're here. Mm-hmm. Our next attendee is Grayon Maidan. Grayon Maidan. Yeah. Mm, nobody's claiming that name. Really? It, he was on Great Game of Thrones. Great Game of Thrones? You, gay Rome of Thorns. Game of Thrones. 
<laughs> Game of Thrones. He was on Game of he Thrones. He was on Game of Thrones. He was a character on Game of Thrones. Really? Yeah, he died real quick. I don't... Uh, you know, I've read the books, and I've seen most of the TV shows. He was a cook. Although I have to admit, you know, I really just fast-forward through Game of Thrones to get to the... Uh, the bits with the uh, the fashion actually exactly i'm yeah. all about the parts where they're like um you know swishing around in their their fashion well he was a cook in winterfell and he had the biggest chef's hat in the entire series <gasps> you know i don't remember him but i remember that chef's hat yeah 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 they, they cut off his head for like having like an overbearing chef's hat it's a cruel world it is that gray realm of thorns yeah i'm sorry is that i wrote about that chef's hat on my blog really? actually yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. Your, your Game of Thrones blog. Yeah. Game of Sartorial. Ooh. <laughs> that sounds needlessly complicated for a title. It's not a popular blog. <laughs> Just need a snappier title. Yeah. And it's on Geocities, and like all of the good names have been taken on Geocities. Yeah, so I had just, to. Just get on Angel Fire, would you? Just. Oh, uh, yeah. sorry. Yeah. Jeez. Anywho. Uh, I noticed you... you haven't followed me on MySpace yet. I'm I'm so sorry. Yeah, I'm t I'm too busy on Friendster. Okay. Uh, um, hold on a sec. This is a little awkward. Yeah. I've mixed up the letters. I think. Um, so it should be, um, Groyd, um, Aiden Morgan. That's you. Sweet. Okay. And you can mark yourself present because you are actually here. I can I, attest to that. I will witness. I will. I will sign the statement that you were present. I'm glad. I was thinking it was weird that I wasn't like listed as mm -hmm. like an attendee when I'm always here. Yeah. As are you. Who knows? Yeah. I'm always surprised that I'm not higher up in the attendance list because my last name starts with a D. Good point. Well, mine starts with an A. So there yeah. you go. Um, Morgan Aiden. Uh, anyway, and our third attendee is. Jen Kennedy, John Kennedy. Oh, John I, Kennedy! I, I, I hey. came so close to getting that right. Hello, Present. John. Hey, Present. John. Uh, how are you doing? Great. Just enjoying your comic banter. It's been a while since uh, we've seen you here. Um, mm -hmm. Indeed. You were you were trapped in the sub basement for a long time. I was. I yeah. was. <laughs> yeah. You've 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 actually not only be, not only are you an improvement vector, you are a former uh, guest host. That's right. Yeah. That was That's much right. appreciated. Well, yeah. I was happy to do it. Yeah. Well, thanks a lot for coming back in. Thanks. You are coming back in. You haven't been stuck down here for the last year and a half. No, I you? did manage to get my find my way out good. just before Christmas. Good. Oh, good. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. Because <laughs> your family would be so sad. Well, yeah. Yeah. For the holidays, you know. Yeah. What that's yeah. like. Um, so, uh, are you still executive director at the Saskatchewan Cultural Exchange? I am. Really? Really. That's awesome. That's surprising, right? Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, anybody who's like, if you've, if you've been part of the Queen City Improvement Bureau, it's hard to get a job anywhere else. Right. I'm finding. I totally uh, can see that. Yeah. Uh, how are things at the Saskatchewan Cultural Exchange? What is going... Okay, actually, you know what? It's been so long since you've been here. Could you give us the um, elevator pitch on what the Saskatchewan Cultural Exchange is? What the Saskatchewan Cultural Exchange is? All right. As so, though it were an action movie. As though it were an action movie with James Brolin. Definitely. Oh, not not Josh, but James? Okay. D directed by... Rennie Harlan? <sighs> John Frankenheimer? Well, maybe I'll just give you my regular elevator pitch. Okay. Oh, sure. So the Saskatchewan Cultural Exchange is a is a 
cultural organization that's uh, dedicated to providing um, opportunities, cultural opportunities to the people of Saskatchewan and the artists of Saskatchewan by uh, setting up um, uh, performances and workshops and uh, demonstrations and um, um, and uh, I guess hooking artists up with with uh, citizens. Yeah, I think uh, I think we need to workshop this to get it more action. All right. Okay. So we need to start off with. Well, we have an option here. We can either start off with in a world, or in a time. What do you think? Well, <laughs> that's a good question. Uh, I I always like in a world because right. you can go in a world. In a world. Where nobody gives. Two hoots about right. culture. One cultural man, exchange. One cultural exchange will rise above them all. Yeah, they'll do that. I like that. Definitely yeah. rise above them all, and it will. Um, what was your What was your pitch there? What What does it What does it do? This cultural exchange deliver cultural programming. One cultural exchange will deliver cultural programming from the muzzle of a gun. From the muzzle of a of a, let's, of a not, venue. let's not do that. No. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> yeah, we don't want we don't want people to be like like shot with culture. No? no. Shot through with culture. Well, I mean I mean maybe it would help. And you're to blame. Uh, yeah. You you give, you give bad a bad name. name. Sorry. That's okay. We've got uh, Although you know the solution to our culture problem in Saskatchewan is more culture. I you're right. That is a good idea. Yeah. Um so what kind of culture are you guys delivering? Oh, we do all, all sorts of things. I mean, um, our main program in Regina and what most of your listeners probably know us for is, is running the exchange on 8th Avenue where we uh, provide a music venue for uh, not only local bands but touring bands coming uh, through town. We've got an art gallery there as well. And uh, then our outreach program is the... Uh, is uh, where we uh, will send artists to various parts of Saskatchewan and uh, uh, work with other organizations to, to create these opportunities. So what do you want to talk about first, the outreach or what's going on at the venue? We, uh, You know what, I want to get an update. We had, I'm blanking on her name, even though I was just asking Carol you. Daniels. Carol Daniels, we had yes. her on uh, several months ago to talk she, about the drum she, workshop she, 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 up north. Guest. Yeah, how did that go? It went really well. So yeah. it was, just refresh everybody on what it was. Uh, so um, Carol had been up at, uh, um, had been up doing a mural project at Laloche with uh, a local mural artist here in Regina. And what they did was they talked to the community and they ended up um, making a mural on the side of one of the buildings in the community, kind of based on the community story as told by the citizens. And one of the things that came out of that was... Uh, that they had lost their drumming tradition. So uh, Carol went back up uh, at the end of August and early September, and she put on a, uh, a week-long uh, drumming workshop where she taught the folks up there to not only make drums but then perform on them. And it was a, a big success, so they've, uh, they gave us a call a month or so ago, and we're, uh, we're going up again. We're sending Carol up again in... May and she's going to do a, a refresher course and then um, a little while after that for the first time 
Uh, there's going to be traditional drumming at the high school um, graduation for, awesome. for the class. So, yeah, we're really happy and proud about that. Yeah. So do you, do you guys find that uh, this kind of cultural programming uh, is in these, you know, rural, isolated communities, like, is that is that having, like, a really good impact for the people there? Yeah, I, I think so. I, you know, I think it makes bringing people together in their community to uh, participate together in a in a cultural, um, um, any kind of experience uh, can do nothing but uh, you know build that uh, community up. And if you're dealing with uh, First Nation culture, then you're helping those kids get in touch with uh, with their culture. So yeah, we think it's a really good thing. Yeah, awesome. Is it? What else are you guys doing? What, what other outreach things do you have coming up? Well, um, for this year, we're going to send uh, five or six art artists, and we haven't completely finalized everything yet, so I can't give you names or, or uh, communities just because it's, you know, top-secret stuff. But we, we're, we're sending five or six artists out for stretches of anywhere from two weeks to two months to different communities across uh, across the uh, province, and those things will show up on our website uh, as they as they happen you know the one that we kind of finalized this week was uh, uh eliza doyle going up to sandy bay in next winter and she's going to take uh 15 guitars with her uh that are going to be provided by uh the playing for change folks and she's going to do a couple of weeks of uh, music workshops up, up up there and then she's going to leave the guitars so that the kids can kind of continue on with their with their newfound musicianship hopefully Awesome. And, um, can we? Um, I really like that uh, that bit of information. Can we rework it so it's like a rom com trailer? No. Oh. <clears throat> but we can talk about booking your band at the exchange. Oh, excellent! As soon as you know, send us a demo tape, and we'll uh, we'll get you hooked up. Okay. Um, so the other thing we're doing uh, between now and June is we're uh, partnering with the Southeast uh, Library Regional Library Association, and uh, we're uh, building um, micro libraries in eleven First Nations communities in the southeast. And um, so that's kind of an exciting thing where we'll send an artist in for a couple of weeks and engage with the community and the kids there, and they help build the. Uh, actual uh, shelving for the for the library, and then the library association is bringing in 400 books. Oh, nice! And um, we're also working with the Saskatchewan uh, publishers to provide uh, works from uh, you know Saskatchewan First Nations writers, so that uh, people, uh, the kids there, can kind of uh, get a sense of what's going on in in the province. Right. How's the response been from Saskatchewan publishers to this, or have you like? Is it too early to say? No, they've been really uh, um, forthcoming and uh, agreeable to uh, providing the books, and uh, so it's just a matter of pulling it all together. Nice. Uh, so how many communities again? Uh, 10 to 12. Right. But we're just kind of finalizing those numbers as well. Right. And so will these, these libraries, will they be going up in like the schools up there? Yeah, or? every community is going to be a little bit different. Yeah. So it's uh, wherever the community decides they want it to be. Right. And then the uh, Southeast libraries are going to have a regular uh, delivery service to all these uh, uh, spots so that the, the, you know, the books are uh, refreshed fairly regularly. That's awesome. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, very exciting. 
Yeah. So we're on 91.3 FM CJTR, Regina Community Radio. And this is the Queen City Improvement Bureau with John Kennedy from the Saskatchewan Cultural Exchange. Yeah. You know, I, I, I feel pretty good about that. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. I've yeah. got it down now? Yeah. I'm not screwing up the numbers anymore? No, no. Well, I, actually, I was the one who used to mess up the numbers. I think, we, but we, I think we yeah. evenly split on the, <laughs> the numbers. Uh, based, based on our performance reviews, you guys can't even get the numbers in the right order. <laughs> that's, that's what I hear. <laughs> Clearly, they already know the numbers because if they're hearing us say it wrong. If anything, <laughs> we're sharpening their memories for the numbers. Right. <laughs> Um, yeah, we could make it like uh, on the old Astro Boy shows where at the end we could be like, what did Aiden and Paul get wrong in this yes. episode of the Queen City Improvement Bureau? I feel like I should add something at this point. Mm -hmm. She was artist Eliza Doyle. They were the community of Sandy Bay. This summer, they're going to leave the guitars. See? I could. I, I like it that. would have been great. That's but good. you said you you basically just like torpedoed the improv spirit there. I did, I'm sorry. Did not yes and. All right, let's improv. <laughs> no, I'm done now. <laughs> I'm good. See see how that feels. <laughs> uh, what are you guys doing closer to home? What's coming up uh, at the SAS Cultural Exchange here in the YQR? Well, at the venue, we're always busy. We're always uh, uh, booking bands. Um, Tonight, for instance, Reverend Horton Heat is playing. We're really excited about Ooh. that. But you know, I, I'm a big fan. Unless you're listening on the repeat of the show, then that's happened You've already. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, what else do we have coming? Whale and the Wolf is coming uh, April seventh. Mm -hmm. The Wild is playing April eleventh. Harry Manx, uh, April twenty seventh. Uh, that's always a great show put on by the uh, grassroots folks. Uh, Bill Bourne on April 28th. What else do we have? We got in May, the Super Suckers are coming. That's one of my favorite all-time bands. So mm -hmm. that's going to be a lot of fun. And yeah, there's always new stuff. Nick Faye's album release, I think, is in the middle of May, May 14th. Oh, nice. And he's playing oh, with nice. the Andino Suns. So, uh, I, you know, I think... Um, I would just encourage people to go to our website to check out our events, culturalexchange.ca, and uh, all the uh, information on, on all the shows are um, there for the uh, reading. Nice. I hear that uh, the Deer has put on a, a good concert. It was a really good show yeah. uh, last weekend, yeah. yeah. Uh, a friend of mine went and he said it was a fantastic show. Well, we're uh, we're proud of the venue and uh, of the room and the acoustics and uh, um, I don't know if I'm allowed to mention the Prairie Dog, but we we, we won the uh, best live uh, music venue in Regina for the congratulations uh, a number of times in a row. So Did you get a plaque? Uh, we, uh, yeah, it's in the back of my car. No, actually, I forgot yeah. to take <laughs> it into work today. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, like about the about the facility that you guys have, uh, is it just like a concert venue for the YQR? Yeah, you know, we've got two different venues there, uh, the club and the exchange. And the club is kind of a smaller venue, and it's a, a DIY uh, kind of setup where folks can come in, uh, rent it uh, for super cheap, and put on their own uh, shows. And we provide security and a bartender and a... 
and uh, some help with advertising. And then the exchange is the larger venue where, uh, you know, you can get upwards of 250 people in there and uh, uh, that's for, uh, you know, the bigger shows and the touring bands. We also have an art gallery um, uh, attached to the club and we uh, try to do three or four uh, shows there every uh, year. And, uh, in, you know, in our basement and other areas in the building, we provide jam spaces for local bands to oh, nice. uh, store their stuff and um, uh, rehearse and um, uh, become the next next great thing. What next great things have you had jam in your basement? Ah, what great things have we had jam in our basement? I think, you know... Um, I don't know that Colin James ever had a jam space, but he was on our workshop tour when he oh, was yeah? uh, fresh mm -hmm. out of high school. And nice. uh, Andy Schaff, somebody a little newer, um, yeah. mm -hmm. uh, spent a lot of time in the club. In fact, he was uh, uh, an employee and uh, a volunteer and, uh, and a musician all um, for a number of years at the at the place. Yeah. And now Andy Schaff is like on the cusp of being too big for the exchange he's uh yeah he's become a really big act and we're yeah. uh, super stoked about that and happy and and proud that yeah. uh, you know we're part of his history yeah that's great um so do you ever feel like uh you know if only you guys could expand if you had like some more some more like space that you could put on bigger shows say say i don't know say if there was like something in close proximity to the SAS Cultural Exchange that perhaps the provincial government was, you know, uh -huh. needing to unload. And, mm. you know, it, it had kind of unlimited space for, like, bands and uh, art galleries and stuff. Have, like, I've heard that perhaps the Global Transportation Hub is up for sale. SAS Cultural Exchange, any chance you guys maybe have had some secret meetings with the government about... Uh, Purchasing the Global Transportation Hub for SAS Culture? I really can't talk about that right now. Oh, really? But Is uh, that a non-denial denial? That's a non-denial denial, right. Okay. And, oh, but, you know, if we did, in the secret meeting that didn't happen, I would have made sure to make the soundstage part of that deal as well. Oh, yeah? For sure. Right. I hear it's for sale as well. I had uh, a secret meeting with the government over purchasing GTH. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And? I, I think How did I've that go? Pretty well. I mean, I think I've got it sewn up. Yeah? Yeah. You've got it sewn up? It's in the bag. The whole GTA? <laughs> the whole the whole thing. So you've totally scooped the SAS Cultural Exchange. Well, you never was, know. You know, I thought that would be great if, you, if the SAS Cultural Exchange bought up the GTH. You'd have, like, hectares on the edge of the city that you could turn into, like, I don't know, like, a constant festival of... Like a roadside picnic, a constant roadside oh. picnic of of, of cultural um, offerings. Right, sort of like a zone, a zone. Of a zone where you could where you can sort of walk into and. Yep. Yeah. Okay. I yeah. like I like where you're yeah. going with this. Yeah. yeah but I you're was, gonna you're gonna buy it instead. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> For nefarious purposes. Uh, How much an acre? Uh. Well. Um. I mean, we really can't talk numbers, uh, partly because I, I didn't do very well in grade 11 math, uh, but also because, I mean, it's, that's between me and, uh, and the government. Right. You know, if, if you guys do, like, just a little word of advice, if you guys do consider buying the Global Transportation Hub, I think the SAS government should be paying you to take it. You can probably outbid me, though, because I just literally had, like, 
50 cents. So. And Don Morgan was like, sold. Well, he said so that's, He said it was a pretty impressive offer. Yeah. So, you know. Best one he's got this week. Yeah. Exactly. Twice what they would have gotten <laughs> from anybody else. I will pay you dozens of pennies. <laughs> well, not quite dozens, but you get the drift. I think we're pretty happy with our uh, location on 8th Avenue. I don't see us moving anytime soon. What about the Capitol Point Hole? Food for thought. Yeah. Yeah. That would make a great amphitheater. The yeah. acoustics in there, I hear, are amazing. Yeah. Probably would be. Eh? Line it with yeah. ceramic and just take uh, take like an iPhone and just put it like face down and play music and just be great. But that's been solved, right? I mean, they're going to get to work on it right away. Uh, and it, and uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, or fill it in, one or the other. Right. Yeah. And Owen Wilson's coming? That's what I've heard. No, yeah. he's not coming. He's not? No, he's not coming, but we're all going to go to the hole and pretend we're Owen Wilson. Right. Yeah. Wow. 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 I was practicing the other day. Yeah, that was wow. really good, actually. Wow. Anyways, thanks for coming in, John. Where can people find the SAS Cultural Exchange online? Well, you can come to our website. It's uh, culturalexchange.ca. Look us up on Facebook. I think we have a Twitter handle and Instagram and all those fandangled things. So, yeah, we're out there. Right. What and if we went directly to... Cultural Exchange Society. Could we get online from the actual venue? I could lend you a computer, sure. Cool. Right on. And are there still seats for uh, Reverend Horton Eat tonight? No, we're all sold out. Really? Ah. Oh, crap. Well, Sorry. Maybe we can't leave the basement yeah. anyway, but... <laughs> yeah. Maybe somebody will make a bootleg for us. There you go. <laughs> Great. No, we don't allow that. <laughs> Drop a little cassette down the, down the vents. <laughs> Please put Reverend Horton Heat on Sonic's <laughs> cassette. <laughs> We've left it outside on the, the front steps that's of right. City Hall. And that's and that's actually what I promised uh, Don Morgan for the GTH. 50 <laughs> cents and a bootleg of Reverend Horton Heat. So He loves, and he's so peeved that he didn't get tickets. Yeah. Yeah. You don't, have, you don't have Don Morgan on the guest list? I could check. I don't think so. You know, actually, what you should do is you should just always have Don Morgan on the guest list. Well, if Don's listening, we can get him in. All right. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Okay, uh, we're going to move on to the next item on the agenda, which is innovative revenue tools, and it's that time. We'll go. (laughs) What were you going to say? I'm just really enthused about innovative revenue tools. Yeah, you don't know what they are. Well, no, but I mean, it's I'm pretty enthused. You just like change. I do. Well, one thing turns into another thing. It's like there's so much so much possibility. Your tail starts to wag. I know. Can you do this pitch as an action movie? Trailer? Yes, yes, I could. In a it, world? No, no. Let's let's do it in a time. Okay. In a time when John Kennedy was talking for a while, and then he wasn't, except when he just said something. One man, which is you, Paul. Oh, okay. Will try an innovative revenue tool. I will innovate. <laughs> I'm doing the little good. clips. Yes, yes, right. I love it. This summer, innovation's gonna happen. Where's my revenue tool? Innovative revenue tools. Yes, so innovative revenue tools are ways, typically it's how the city can innovate uh, and raise money without like jacking up our property taxes. Cool ideas to do that. That Um, Yeah, but we're not gonna do that today. We're gonna talk about uh, the way that 
an innovative revenue tool for the uh, the radio station, 91.3 FM CJTR. Oh, is this where we look and listen and lottery? Exactly. Oh, yeah. I Do you know how that works? Lottery. No idea. You have no idea? No. Well, uh, squinting, uh, apparently... You, well, what you can do is you can buy tickets in the Look and Listen Lottery, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, they're $20 each, oh, yes, which yes. is a bargain because there's only, what is it? 1,200. 1,200, 1,200 that are printed. So your odds of winning, if you just buy one, odds of winning are 1 in 1,200, which is actually not too bad. And if you buy 5,000, your odds of winning are 5,000. Right. Yeah. Yep. One in whatever. <laughs> and your gr- there's a grand prize, which is a choice of one of four trips. Uh, to Charlottetown, pay. Yep. Okay. Uh, Quebec. Quebec City, quick, quick. Yep. Uh, is it New York, New York? Uh, New York Nye, yes. Okay, New York Nye, and San Francisco Ka. <laughs> San Francisco Ka. Ka. Yeah. So you can pick one of those four trips, and they will fly you there for uh, two of you. Two. Yes. So if we won, we could both go. Four nights accommodations, yes, indeed, and uh, five hundred dollars spend in cash. So you not you just don't go there and live like a you know like a like a hobo. Live like a hobo. You live like a hobo with five hundred bucks in his back pocket. Yep. Yeah. Go to San Francisco, get on the Haight Ashbury, and live like a hobo. Yeah. The draw date is May fourth, and Ooh. there's other prizes. Yes. That I'm having trouble seeing. I believe there is a thousand um, dollar travel voucher from Carlson Wagen Records Travel. Mm-hmm. Um, third prize is the Regina Folk Festival experience, which I believe is two passes to the Regina Folk Festival. Everybody loves. Uh, yep, there was an early bird prize that I believe has passed. Oh, I think today should have got your tickets. March twenty third. It says fools, but I think the I think the actual deadline is today uh, or the drop mm-hmm. today. I don't know. It does say March 23rd, but I saw all this noise on, on the social media about it being today. Uh, so we're just not even going to talk about it. Uh, so, yeah, so there's all that great stuff. And um, when you buy these tickets, this is supporting community radio. Indeed. In the Queen City. It keeps and people like us on the air. <laughs> gives us something oh, to do on our Thursday nights, <laughs> which we really need. Yes. And, uh, yeah, and community media is super important, and uh, it's something that... Is you can't just support just through advertising. It needs the support of the community itself. Yeah. So um, help help sure. us by helping us get you a trip to San Francisco. Right. Uh, and uh, hey, fun fact: mm-hmm. if you dial three zero six five two five seven two seven four, you're going to get somebody at CJTR, and you can buy tickets from the person who answers Absolutely. the phone. Or if you tweet at at Queen City IB, we will hook you up with tickets. We will. We are good like that. And we'll make you a certificate. Yep. We, we make certificates here. If you listen to the show, you've heard them being passed out. They're a real thing, people. You can have one from us. John has one, don't you, John? I don't think I got mine. We, oh. fo- we stink at this. <laughs> the only thing we do, we stink at it. But if you buy a ticket to the lottery, you will, I'll make sure Aiden makes right. you that. Yes, anecdotal evidence notwithstanding. Yeah. Anyways, we have to move on to the okay. rest of the Innovative Revenue Tools. All right. Here they come. And we're back from Innovative Revenue Tools. Apologies again to Kenton DeYoung. I screwed up. And oh, that's okay. The, uh, the Regina Fact will not play today because of my own fumbly fingers. Well, that means if there's no Regina fact, can there be a Kenton DeYoung fact? Nope. No. There cannot. Yeah, that's a, probably a good idea. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yesterday. Ah. Huh. 
Yesterday in the Queen City, there was the uh, Plan to End Homelessness Summit at uh, uh, in the city. And so, is it, me. is it over yet? It is over. It was a one-day event, and it was an all-day event from 9 o'clock in the morning until 4 o'clock. And what this was, I, I attended... And uh, what this was is um, various uh, groups within the city, um, people like the Circle Project, uh, mm-hmm. and Perry was there, who we've had on the show, and Natasha, who we've had on the show, um, uh, were there. Uh, the Health Region was there, Carmichael Outreach. Uh, 170 participants came out to this oh. event. Uh, there were people from the city, from the province, uh, were all there, and it was a chance for people to talk about um, what as like um, people who are involved in helping people who are homeless, what do they see as being needed in a plan to end homelessness? Uh, the city has kicked in $60,000 to the planning of this program. Uh, there is a plan expected to be done by September. So this was just the first step uh, of consultation. Then the people who are involved uh, are going to get together and sort of hash out a draft plan. There will be a draft plan out in June another consultation period, and then they will uh, work out a, uh, a final plan to end homelessness. The goal is, this plan comes out at the end of the, uh, in, in the fall, the plan is to reach functional zero uh, homelessness in the, hmm. in the city. Uh, I, th- I believe the deadline for functional zero is 2020. It could be earlier. The, it's a very aggressive target. Mm-hmm. Um, and impressive that the city uh, has gotten behind this. Uh, Mayor Fougere gave the opening address. Uh, and uh, there was a lot of talk about the uh, the economics here in Regina. A lot of talk about um, uh, a lot of the, uh, the the experiences of other communities that have instituted uh, plans to end homelessness. Uh, Medicine Hat, Calgary, Edmonton. Right. Uh, a lot of our like neighboring cities have gone out and have have reached achieved functional zero in their cities uh, for homelessness. Uh, so uh, we're trying to come up with the maiden. Regina plan now. Uh, I spent some time talking to people at this event, and I have put together a supercut of some of the conversations oh. and a little bit of uh, you know, Councillor, uh, sorry, Mayor Fougere's address. Uh, and I thought I would play that now. This is kind of long, but uh, I think it's worth listening to. So, well, let's hear it. Okay, let me just find the right button this time. This is an important day for us, important day for our city, and I'm so encouraged, so happy to see you great turnout, because this is going to be the feedstock, the discussion that's going to lead us to a made in vagina plan. And as you deliberate today, I don't want to be too sanctimonious, but I want to say to you, remember why we're here. Remember those people who have no voice, the people who um, are on the street, nowhere to go. At the end of the road, and we are here to change that. So we're here to change many people's lives, and I think it's so important that we remember the, the ideal, the goal we have at the end of all this, is to have a statement of, of a policy, a framework, an action plan that will drive us to a conclusion, so we can say that we have a plan to end homelessness, functional zero. I wish you all your deliberations. Look forward to your wisdom. Your understanding as we keep in mind that goal of functional zero and homelessness. Good luck in your deliberations, and we'll see what uh, comes out of this meeting. Thank you very much, everyone.
far as who's represented here, um, I think everybody. Uh, maybe that's too vague, but I really believe, like, looking at the registrations, we have people from government, we have people from nonprofits, we have churches, community members, um, all sorts of people. There are over 170 people that registered to come. So, um, we wanted to make sure we reached out to as wide of a cross-section of people as we could to make sure this is a fruitful conversation from all sides. Right. Uh, are there people from the city who are here today? Uh, yeah. Uh, Councillor Andrew Stevens is here. Um, Mayor Fougere was here earlier, and I know he's part of a, a follow-up meeting that's happening tomorrow as well. So the uh, city's been big contributors to the plan, and uh, that'll continue, I think. Right. What about criminal justice? Are the uh, police here, uh, detentions, people like that? Uh, we've had people from uh, Regina Police attend. We've had a few people from the provincial government have been here. Someone from Sask Housing is here, I know. Um, but aside from that, not really. Right. And we've got like the Chamber of Commerce as well. And uh, are there like developers and stuff here also? Yes, there are. There's I know Trademark Homes is here. So there's there's builders, there's renters, there's landlords. Um, so yeah, it's it's a pretty pretty wide variety of people. So I just want to give a caveat that our next presenter got told about 10 minutes ago that he's going to be presenting. Um, and that is an intro. I'd like to welcome forward uh, Mike Badger. If you can call, please. To start with, could I just get your name? Mike Badger. So you mentioned in there that you uh, you were homeless in Regina for 12 years? 12 years is right. Yeah. yeah. Off and on. Okay. When you say homeless, do you mean like you were actually like living on the streets of Regina for like four years? Living on the streets. I was sleeping in parkades, um, banks. Benches in the summer, yeah. Outside, yeah. yeah. All year round? You were living like that? All year round for one year straight, I was out there. It's brutally cold in Regina in the winter. I think a lot of people can't even understand how do you survive something like that? Um, usually gotta find the warmest places out there which would be banks uh, under a heater if you can find one out there um what's rough about living on the streets out here in Regina is just not having a place to go like Nowhere to warm up and stay warm out there, especially in the winters. I still have a lot of friends out there on the streets, and they choose the... I guess it's just a choice, I guess. Yeah. Or they don't know the resources or where to go for supports and stuff. A day out there for me is wandering around like you wander those streets and yeah there's a lot of stuff you got like 
lots. Where would you typically stay? Like, would you stick to the downtown? Like, was it like was it a neighborhood? Just, just downtown. I'd stick. Like, I still stick around downtown. Go check out like the shelters sometimes. And yeah. yeah. What's a night like in a shelter? And um, there's a lot of other guys, and it's crowded sometimes, and. It's not a place where you'd want to end up. Yeah. Uh, are you in housing now through Housing First? Uh, no, I'm not in Housing First. I actually got a well, my own place through um, Carmichael Outreach. Right. I I've been there for long since it opened. I right. guess. So you're in like you're in Carmichael Outreach Housing. Yeah. Okay. Um, what has that done for you? Like, how do you how do you feel now? I I feel better. I'm still trying to get used to having my own place. Like I'm I'm hardly ever home because I'm still. Like I know I have a home to go to. I'm just used to being on the streets. Right. It's. The struggle of uh, having your own place for once. And yeah. How is it a struggle to have your own place? Uh, well, not, well, for me, it's, it's like, it's like, uh, I don't know, it's, it's hard, like, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. So, Talking in front of the, in front of this crowd with ten minutes notice, how was that? That was very um, overwhelming. It was like wow, uh, like I had no idea I was going to come and speak on behalf of the homeless people out yeah. there. If you had like one thing that you could like tell to people who uh, are concerned about homelessness but have never experienced it, like what what would you say to to Reginans? about this about this issue um, people need a voice I guess out there yeah. and they need to know where to, where to go to find housing and the supports yeah. okay thank you Turner and I'm a consultant that has been hired to help the Regina community develop its plan to end homelessness. You were talking earlier about the uh, the Regina reality, like the the economic factors that have led to the situations that we have with homelessness here. Could you just like give me sort of the the issues around like rental rental housing and affordability that seem to be a barrier to people finding housing? Mm-hmm. Well, it's a in some ways it's a simple math issue. If somebody doesn't have the income to be able to afford market rent, then that creates a obviously a, an unstable situation that any economic shock or a family breakdown might tip people over into having to use shelters or couch surfing and even sleeping on the streets. 
And like, how many people in Regina are in like a precarious situation, like not homeless? Yeah. But yeah, well, I mean, we're estimating, and it, it depends how you calculate it. But you know, as many as 4,500 people would be in that really, really high risk group, where they have very low income, so incomes that are between zero and twenty thousand dollars. Right, which is quite low, and um, pay more than 50% of that income on housing. So when, and some pay even more than 50%, but 50% being that benchmark. So when you're really low income and you have that high shelter cost, again, any kind of change in the situation can trigger a potential homelessness episode. It doesn't matter whether your city is doing really well or really poorly, you still have a segment of your population that is in that precarious situation because of low income and then on top of that you add other issues like trauma mental health addictions etc that increases somebody's risk right so domestic violence is is another one even things like suicide rates you know you can you can see there's a relationship between that and poverty and um, marginalization as well right Uh, there was a question asked earlier um about why we're not seeing uh more affordable housing in Regina, even though we have like a really high vacancy rate right now. Uh, the audio was kind of bad, so I couldn't. Oh. I don't know if I got the answer. But could you could you give me your idea of like why we're not seeing this shift back to a more affordable uh, rental market? Well, it could be something to do with the cost of maintaining those units. So landlords might be, you know, under different pressures to maintain their quality rentals it might there might be a um, caution to depress the rental costs and devalue the units if there's a recovery around the corner right so you know is it is it worth it to maybe just sit on this unit empty with the hopes that next year things are going to pick up and versus break you know bringing the prices down everywhere so uh, that's that's one thing that could be happening um, another one might just be that the cost of running those units might be high um, another one and actually was just connecting with a landlord here today is you know who's going to pay for damages if I take a if I take a risk on you know a population that that might be the less re- desirable tenant and so for for those situations we you know there's ways that we can mitigate it we can work with programs and we can develop landlord liaising positions that can take care of uh, some of those challenges but all of those things cost money right so having a landlord liaison having a client advocate but also somebody that's gonna you know work with the landlord to say yeah you know what that is your unit was trashed and we have a budget to take care of that and that's that's kind of the price of of doing this work is we're gonna need to address some of those behavioral challenges and not be not be ignorant about them right we we can't turn a blind eye to reality of landlords because we need landlords on board if this is going to work, they're sitting on that asset that we want our people to get access to. So what is it going to take in terms of an incentive for them to to be part of the solution with us? Uh, it seems that trusting the market to give us affordable housing has not been has not been effective. Uh, what have other areas done to to get that affordability? In yeah. Well, first, it's admitting that the market is not going to fix this issue, yeah. right? Because we, um, in some ways. 
we have left it to um, those forces to to respond, and clearly they they haven't responded. If we wouldn't have that 5,000, you know, 4,000, 5,000 people that are paying more than 50% of their low income on housing if the market responded. So are there ways that we can decrease the cost of building, of construction? Yes, we have tons of examples. Microhousing is a is a good one. Um, less permanent structures that are, you know, not as costly to, to develop and maintain. There's everything from rent subsidies to, you know, even potentially developing things that are in less central locations where land is, is cheaper. Um, so anyways, there's there's absolutely tons, tons that we can do. The problem is like if we don't, if we expect the market to do it and we don't figure it out from a social innovation, social enterprise perspective, then you know we're going to miss the boat on this. So there has to be an entity or some leadership that's going to deal with that particular segment of the market. And it can't be the same segment that is trying to develop profit for shareholders, which is a legitimate thing and we want them to do that that's that's part of our economic growth and that's a that's a good thing but for the people we're talking about we need a different profit model and that profit model could be a social enterprise approach so there we can develop housing that is at really really low cost we can rent it for really cheap because we don't need to create profit we can just sustain the building so the the model the performers are going to look very different but who's going to do that right and i think you you have enough people in the room that are engaged and can take on the leadership in that area to develop sustainable projects that are affordable and quality housing for um, that lower income population in Regina. Now that Regina has uh, sort of set as a priority uh, eradicating homelessness in the city, uh, there is a lot of uh, talk about Housing First, a lot of energy is being put into Housing First. Um, Do you see that as eating up all of the oxygen, like sort of the social capital that is needed for a much larger problem that yeah. beyond just housing first. Yeah. In fact, I actually wrote a paper called Beyond Housing First. So, <laughs> yeah. And, and in it, I made the argument that housing first is really about housing rights, about the right to housing without all these preconditions. If we all accept that everybody's worthy of a home, to me, that's what housing first is about. The fact that it has manifested itself in a particular program model that doesn't mean that there's no not other ways of delivering housing first so supportive housing that doesn't have the requirements and doesn't require it to be sober and be worthy of housing that's housing first too right rent subsidies for families that don't need case management that's housing first too right so it's it doesn't have to be this one only this one myopic thing and that might work for this particular population but you know we've got families we've got youth we've got you know, young couples that are not going to identify with the addiction, mental health, the complex cases that we might might see in, in a typical Housing First program. What does Housing First look like for women escaping violence? That's, you're definitely not going to, you know, do safety planning the same way as you would for a chronically homeless uh, individual that's been out there for, for a long time. So it's to say that Housing First is a philosophy. Makes sense. I fully support it. It's ensuring that it's applied as a philosophy to a diverse number of approaches because we have diverse needs in the community and then there is space and it's not going to get taken up by you know only one size fits all right but how do we avoid the trap of like all of a large chunk of money is being funneled directly into the housing first program that that becomes the only solution that 
the decision makers can see as value for money. Mm-hmm. Well, I would say what, how much money is being funneled into it. I mean, right. Two million, right? Right. So, so you're talking two million. We're talking about a plan that's going to put you in the over the hundred million mark. So two percent of a potential cost is not a lot of money. What's what you should be asking is where's the other ninety-eight? Right. So it's it's right. Right. I think we're focusing on. I'm not saying it's not a legitimate point. If you only have a tiny piece of the pie, and then everybody's fighting for it, then it's you see it's easy to divide to divide the community and on that when we should be saying this is actually a bigger this is bigger than two million dollars from the feds this is systemic this is about affordable housing this is about systems it's about our province and provincial leadership on the issue right like alberta didn't make a dent with two million dollars they're putting in just about a hundred million dollars a year every year over the past 10 years they're building units right it's not and it's the province the feds just announced something this year announced we haven't seen any trickle in from the feds either but if the province can show some leadership and you know come on board with this approach then it positions regina and saskatchewan to be in a really good negotiating and have that leverage in with the feds as well thank you very much So that was some audio from the Regina's uh, Planned End Homelessness Summit from yesterday, the 23rd. I thought that was like a really long action movie trailer. Nope. Oh, okay. That's why, I mean, as as an 18-minute piece of audio about the meeting, it was... With Summit, it was great. Yeah. As an action movie trailer, I thought it left left a little wanting. Yeah. Funny pacing. Yeah, Yeah. I thought so, too. It doesn't say in a world or in time. None of that. Yeah. Uh, I just had one last thing that I wanted to mention on the subject of the homelessness plan. Mm. Uh, some of the people that I was talking to were um, uh, expressing frustration at uh, how long it's taken the city and the province to uh, to take on the issue of homelessness and the issue of uh, the lack of affordable housing in the city. One of the stats that was alluded to in this bit is how uh, since 2007, 2007 being sort of the the dawn of the housing crisis where we had a functional zero but it was a functional zero on the vacancy rate mm. and a lot of people lost their uh, lost affordable places to rent um since then the housing stock the rental stock has increased by 17 percent the vacancy rent has gone from zero to 5.5 mm. but the uh, average cost of a place to rent has gone up by 75% since 2007, which has priced a lot of people out of the rental market. And those those rental rates are not coming down, even though we have a really, really huge vacancy rate. Right. Um, over those 11 years, the city and the province had an opportunity to inject affordable housing units into the marketplace, but they didn't. The province focused on a trickle-down method of uh, funding the production of market rate or luxury rental uh, with the assumption being that it would open up uh, housing for uh, poor people which it evidently has not because uh, the affordability uh, situation is still not good and we still have a homelessness crisis and as it was pointed out at this meeting if you had a separate vacancy rate for affordable housing it would be much 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 lower than the 5.5 general rate um, and a comment that somebody made to me at this meeting was that when we had a 
a shortage of stadium in oh, Saskatchewan. Severe shortage. Yeah, it took all of a year for the various levels of government to get together and hash out a funding plan, put together a borrowing plan for the city so that we could get a stadium built super fast, which is already up and built and open for the Rough Riders to play in. And uh, somehow the provincial government has been reticent to get involved with uh, building or supporting affordable housing. Because they subscribe to trickle-down theories like the rubes that they are. Yeah. And so, part of the promise of that stadium was affordable housing that accompanied it, right? And we haven't seen a whole lot of that. Seen that yet. Yeah. Not yet. Yeah, and that was supposed to be provided by the private market and not by the province. Because uh, the private market loves, I mean, they love nothing more than to make things affordable for everyone. Yeah. Right. They don't yeah. like making money. No, no, they they say making money. We're not in to make money. We're in it to like provide affordable services for everyone. Yeah, and so what a friend of the show uh, suggested is that uh, the solution to the problem would be for Regina's homeless people to put together their own football team. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah. That's Anyways, so we have to call an adjournment because we are running <laughs> rapidly out of time. Okay, here. so I will uh, I will second that motion. Okay, I I vote in favor. All right, that's weird. Um, motion is carried. You have been listening to the Queen City Improvement Bureau ninety one point three FM CGT or Regina Community Radio. Uh, your hosts have been Paul Shen and Aiden Morgan. Thanks to our guest John Kennedy. I want Mexico. my certificate. You're gonna get your six to eight weeks. Within six to eight weeks, we will put in the we will put in the official request, and then another six to eight weeks, you'll get it. That is a promise, maybe. Uh, anyway, uh, music is always from Ryan Hill. Find us on Twitter at Queen City IB, on Facebook, also our website QueenCityIB.com. Uh, yeah, I believe it is. Um, coming up next, we've got Maddie V with uh, Nerdcore Cabaret, followed by the Cockpit, and then the Melt. We are broadcast 7 to 8 on Thursday nights and rebroadcast Monday mornings 9 to 10 a.m. That is all. Keep on improving, Regina. Thank you.